the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Obviously he does. You've got God the Father, God the, uh, the Holy Spirit now. Obviously they would know because they are one with each other. They know each other. I love that. I know my mind, but I don't always know what's in Carol's mind. And all of you who know, are married, you know what, exactly what I mean. So you know what's a part of you. And even then, sometimes I don't even know what I'm thinking. But God knows, and the Holy Spirit knows. So they're now communicating. We're going to call this inter-Trinitarian communication going on. There's a problem out there. We don't know how to pray. But the Spirit is already at work. He's doing the praying with this groaning. Result of sin. Our infirmities and weaknesses... Because of the fall, inter-Trinitarian conversation going on between the Spirit and God the Father. Now go back to the passage. Then it says here, because He, the Spirit, intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now just for a moment here, for the saints. This means that He is not praying for those who do not know Christ as Savior. I don't know how much time I have but, uh, at the end of this, but I need to talk about, did Jesus really pray for unsaved people? I want to answer that because then that helps us to understand, do we pray for unsaved people? What, what do we have to do about that? But here it's talking about it's interceding for those who know Christ as Savior. So those who know Christ as Savior, I want you to know whatever you're going through, whatever your brothers and sisters in Christ are going through, the Spirit at this very moment, knowing that you don't know how to pray, I don't know how to pray all that we should or how to pray, He is still making intercession for us to God the Father. They know each other's minds that we do not know. And watch this, the prayers will be according to, the rest of the verse says, the will of God, which will be the will, Word of God. So even when, and I say this to you new believers, even if you don't know all there is about Scripture, you continue to pray. But also, don't worry so much because whatever you don't know how to pray because you haven't been taught how to pray yet. You're still in your journey of prayer discovery. The Spirit loves you. And in our weaknesses of not knowing how to pray and all that, the Spirit will do that for you. Now, that said, I need to go to the next passage because even though this is not directly yet talking about intercession, we've already talked about it, this section is a great parenthesis. Now, what you want to look at here is this. Look at the people in your mind that are going through some difficult times. Most of you probably have heard the verse that says, all things work together for good to those who love God. All right. Now, that tells me that God is sovereign by prescription and permission of what's happening in the world, and there is a purpose behind what He's doing for those who know Christ is Savior. So let's take a deep breath for a moment. Using the Custers as our illustration. I know that they love the Lord. I have no doubt that they have been called into God's forever family by faith alone, that they are Christian. That being the case, that no matter what they're going through, God has brought this into their life for that which is good to come out of this, for His betterment, 
so that they would become more like Christ. So is it wrong for us to pray that they escape from problems? No, it's not. And we should. Anybody, we should pray for that. I'm going to open up that in just a little bit. But on the other hand, remember that oftentimes when we go through these things, we'll become better because of it. So even in the prayers, even while the Spirit is talking to the Father, our heart is to take up other people's needs and intercede on their behalf. But at the same time, never forget that God is still permitting things to happen and prescribing so that betterment would come from it. So now let's look at the verse. Verse 28 says this. And we know that God causes, that's what it says in the Greek, all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So in other words, God has a higher purpose than just salvation. Part of it begins at salvation, but then it goes out after that. The part I want you to look at here when it says, God causes all things to work together for good. When I did a study on that whole phrase, God brings all things together for good, I'd like to give you a list, and, you, and I, I'm not a big list guy, but maybe it'll help you put pegs on some of this stuff, because you hear all things work together for good. What would be some of the good things that he does? Now, let's pause for a moment. A moment, I keep saying that, some of you are so paused right now, you don't want to start up again. Did you, did you notice when I was teaching here that I said, you know, the Custers went through all this tough stuff and God will take the tough stuff and, and he'll make good out of that? Isn't it weird how that we always use the verse, God causes all things to happen for our good, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we always think about it when it's bad. I found more in scripture where God was sovereignly doing things in our life that wasn't bad that was good for us. So it's not always have to be bad before it works our good. There's a lot of good stuff that happens that helps us be good. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Let me go through this list. God's righteousness provides good for us. God's wisdom through his word. God is good to us. God is faithful to us. He even uses angels in our life. Other children of his, which would be brothers and sisters of Christ, he has used you to help do good things in my life, and I hope vice versa as well. So there's a lot of good things that he uses. Now let me talk a little bit about some of the negative things. Suffering, for example. Now how can suffering be good in your life? Well, it's all a matter of perspective. Sometimes the suffering that we go through causes us to maybe for a moment reflect upon our inner life to see if maybe the suffering is a result of evil choices that we have made and now we're suffering the consequences of it and now this is causing us to be drawn further back to the Lord. The suffering then could, and the list could go on. So suffering can be used of God in a way for us to become better. The next would be temptation. Now how can God use temptation? Now he doesn't tempt us with evil. But when that temptation comes, do what Jesus did. Every time that temptation hit him, in Matthew you'll find that he opened up scripture so to speak and he gave a Bible reference, the word of God, back to that temptation. So when you go through a temptation, how can that temptation be good? It could cause you to drill deeper into God's word. And when you see that, go back to God's word and fling that into Satan's face when you're being tempted. And here's the one that's most difficult. Can he use sin? Well, let me qualify that. God does not use sin like an instrument to bring about good in your life. That would be, it, it, it doesn't compute, it's oil and gas because he is all righteous. Yet at the same time, there is evil in the world. And so as evil is in the world, God can overrule that evil that's in the world to bring good from that evil into your life. So those of you that are here today and you have been really um, defrauded, swindled, 
Something, someone took control of your life. It was not of any doing on your part. You violated no scripture. You were just living life. Maybe it was a drunk driver and slammed into you and you're carrying the aches and pains today. That is evil. That is sin of someone else. So how can good come from that? Well, because God can then trump that if you allow him. And remember, he's the one who keeps everything, watch this, watch this, watch this, in an eternal perspective. If you think how good is this because you can't play ball any longer or you can't do the things you used to do or whatever that problem might be, I, that might never, you might never get over that on earth. But in heaven, God says, I will overrule that. You lean into me, learn all you can through this, and there will be the right reckoning later on in your life. Now, you're saying, how does that fit? Let me give you one example. And that would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Totally pure, totally innocent, totally perfect, totally sinless. And yet there was a kangaroo court, trumped up charges, brutally beaten, went to this cross, and he willed himself to death for you and me. All that evil, all that sin of the trial in itself, not to mention the sin before he was on this earth, and the sin since he's been on this earth, even through today, he took all of that evil on himself for you and me. So he took something that was so evil and he turned it around for something so good so that you and I would have eternal life. I don't have time to totally unpack that, but let's go a little bit further in this passage and I'm going to need to bring this to a close quickly here. It talks now about what I think is so very, very critical here when it says, A called according to his purpose for those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what you want to underline. To me, that's one of the greatest purposes in this context. So whatever has happened, he intercedes by praying, no matter what trouble that we have, so we can become more like the Father. So in the conversation that Spirit has with God the Father through our infirmities and all the things that have happened, it's good going to come from this because we then will be conformed to the image of his Son. And then it goes further down here. Who he predestined, he's called, he's called, he's justified, justified, he glorified. What shall we say then if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered, up over, uh, delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies him. No matter how puny charge someone is, God is the one that still overrules the charge. Verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Again, overruled by God. It says, Christ is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and here's where you want to underline it, who also intercedes for us, and who will separate you from the love of Christ, and the rest of this tells you that no matter where you go, no matter what happens to you, all things work together for good, you will become like Christ now and in the future, and all of this is because Jesus died, he rose again, your sin ticket's been paid for, watch this, watch this, once and for all, we'll study that in Hebrews, and then it says, and the Spirit continues to make intercession, Jesus continues to make intercession for us, and that all comes underneath the umbrella that we are eternally secure. So no matter what this world might do to you or to the and everything falls apart. They don't build their house. The insurance company reneges on this thing. They get cancer out of this. Whatever might happen, as bad as that is, and I feel for their pain, as I would for any of yours, and I think maybe for you, you for me, it doesn't matter in the light of eternity because they will never lose their salvation. They have a home waiting for them in heaven. God keeps all of the books, and therefore we can rest in that and then write letters like they did that says, He's my refuge, He's my strong tower, and God is good. Well, 
I'm going to give you one more passage and then we will close. I'm going to not go to John 17. I'll cover that next week. But if you will, go to Hebrews chapter 7. Go to Hebrews chapter 7. This will be a lot shorter, but it's no less uh, powerful. The reason I'm going to park on John 17, there's two reasons why that next week. One is I ran out of time for today. And I don't want to keep you because there's a lot of stuff on your plate. And then the second is that next week we're not going to see the word intercede or intercession or intercessor in the, in the exposition. But it's still going on. But I want to unpack that. I'm going to say that for next week. This one does have the word intercede in it. So keeping it all together, this is why I want to cover it. So look, if you will, at verse 23 now. It says the former, 723 Hebrews. The former priest on the one hand existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Now look up here, if you will, for a moment. For some of you that are so new to your journey of understanding the Bible, you probably have at least seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. How how many of you have seen that movie? Would you raise your hand, everybody? Most of you have seen The Ten Commandments. There are some flaws in it, historical dating and all that. But generally the idea is the children of Israel were in the wilderness. While they were in the wilderness, you had Moses, the lawgiver. Now he was responsible for politically and, and legally watching over these people in God's state with the law. But they also had to have someone that made sacrifices for their sins. Moses did not, could not do that. So there was another person which would have been his brother. His name was Aaron. And he became the first high priest. Now his responsibility was to take the sins of the people, so to speak, and sacrifice a qualified animal on behalf of them. When that animal died, it did not wash away their sins, it just covered their sins, so it was a temporary fix until there could be a permanent fix a little bit later on. But once they did the temporary fix, it would be permanized later on, and that would be Aaron. Now we got Moses, he died to let you know that the law was going to pass away in that aspect, and then you had Aaron. When Aaron died, there was a big deal about his death. He died. They had a whole transfer of all of his regalia, of his outfit that they gave to his son. At the same time, they mourned his death for 30 days so that there would be this, watch this, emphasis on a high priest, but also the emphasis that this priest would not live. Now, you've got to stay with this story because it's going to come together at the end. So now, he now dies. After he dies, there are, then his son comes up. His son does all that priestly stuff. He then dies. And after him, the next guy dies. Next one comes up, dies. And there's about 25 to 30 high priests that are dying. One more time saying that man could not save people any more than an animal's blood could save people. All that is is part of the preparation for the one person and the one person's blood who could do that, which would be the high priest known as Jesus Christ. We're still talking about intercession. Once we understand what he's done for us on the cross, it helps us to understand that God is still on the throne, even in the lives of the people that we're going to pray for who are believers. Now go back. Now that you understand that part, let's look now at verse 26 again. Well, verse 24. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, in other words, he doesn't die, his body died, we know, for that moment on the cross, but he lives forever, he holds his priesthood permanently, where the other ones that ended when they died, verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save, now circle this word, forever. Another word in the King James says, the uttermost. Some people say the uttermost to the guttermost. Another way to say it would be completely forever. That means the act of salvation was done once and for all forever for those who draw near to God. 
through him, through Christ. So put parentheses around the phrase, draw near to God through him. How do we draw near to the Lord? We draw near to him by placing our faith alone in him. If you come to him, you're drawing near to him. You draw near to him through faith, not through good works, not through him and good works, but only through Christ. Once you draw near to him, then that seals you forever. Let's go on. It says here, Since he always lives to make intercession for them. For who? Those who believe in him. Those who draw near to him through Christ. Underline that. He always lives to make intercession. So again, the doctrine of eternal security is solid in there, just like it was before. He died once and for all for sin, so that means even if you sin later on, there's no need to have someone else die for it. Your sin was paid for before you ever committed the sin, so all sin was died. Then continually, he's making intercession with that sealing process so you could never lose it. So he is in control. I wrote an email to our son with a little quip in there. He's going through a little deep water. He's doing well for the Lord, but... I want to remind him that God is large and in charge. Say that with me. God is large and in charge. And that's the part that he plays. Let's go a little bit further and we'll close. It says here in verse 26, For it is fitting for us to have such a high priest who's holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Why? Because this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. So as you go home today, when we get ready to pray for others, I want you to know that God is large and in charge. Jesus Christ was the intercessor. He took all the sin of all the world on himself. He died. He rose again. And he's the one that stands between us and God. And he brought us together so there's no more enemy relationship any longer. That's another whole doctrine there. Reconciliation. But it's all part of intercession. In addition to that, he continues to make intercession so that now today, even when we don't know what to pray for, for ourselves, for others, the Spirit is making those groanings to God the Father in this inter-Trinitarian conversation. That at the same time is not only just over the weaknesses that we have, but anything that we would think that would separate us from his love or keep us out of heaven once we've trusted Christ, he now continues the work that Jesus finished on the cross through his intercession for us today. Who does that? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now here's the, the, the touchy part. He only does that for those who know Christ as Savior. All those that are on the outside of that, you're in a horrible situation. You're separated now and you'll spend eternity separated from Him. Whatever you think you have in a relationship with God, I, I know it may be working for you sometime. But I also believe that you have a God-shaped void in your life. And when you're totally honest, you know, there's still something that you're still looking for something. And then I want to be quick to tell you that God loves you in that state, even though you are right now. And so do we. And we want more than anything for you to know that this is what's available to you. An intercessor once and for all for the rest of your life. So that not only will you have your sins paid for, but a home in heaven. But someone who also will work all things together for good in your life. No matter what you're going through, who will never leave you. And how you go from one state to the other is simply admitting, Lord, I am a sinner. I need you as the Lord who died and rose again as my Savior. And Lord, I believe you did that for me. I believe you interceded for me by taking all my sin on yourself so I could appear righteous before God. I know that you're there and you will stay there. So no matter what I go through, you will never leave me. And so I want to trust you as my Savior. You know what's so beautiful about that? No matter how bad you are, the guttermost to the uttermost, Jesus says, I'll save you and I'll do it right now.
Would you trust him with every head bowed and every eye closed? Would you take a moment right now to just go to the Lord? And those of you who know Christ as Savior, let me just speak to you for a moment while the others are just kind of processing all this information. It's hard for them to follow this because they don't know the Lord yet and the Spirit is just trying to reveal Scripture to them, but they can't know the things of God, so they're trying to figure it out. The Spirit is speaking to them. I know you're praying for them right now. There's a conviction thing going on. But for those of you that know Christ as Savior, maybe the very first thing you can do is say, Lord, I kind of know about getting saved. It was by faith, and I know you died, rose again. I know something about you and having a relationship with each other in heaven, God the Father, God the Son. But today, Lord, I want to thank you for revealing to me what it means to have you as my intercessor then and to intercede for me now. When I go through so much, and I want to thank you for that, Lord. I want to thank you that no matter what condition I'm in, you never leave me, never forsake me. You'll never cast me out of your family. Lord, I want to thank you for that. And Lord, I'm coming to you now and just confessing that I, I've lived my life in, in so much of ignorance and neglect of you. And, and I just kind of bring you in like a, a bottle and a genie. And, and I, I want to change that today as a Christian, as your son and daughter. And so, Lord, I, I'm, I want to take my issues to you. And my first issue is I'm confessing this to you. And, Lord, I'm saying thank you for your forgiveness and for cleansing me and, and getting me right with you and my relationship because of what you're doing for me, even now, interceding. And now, Lord, I don't know about all my problems, but I know stuff is happening in my life. And it's just there. I don't understand all of this. But, Lord, I'm asking you now, remove it after I've learned all the lessons I can from it but not until then. And now, Lord, not only go with me, and I thank you for that, but now give me the strength and increase my faith. Maybe you can pray that. Maybe some of you are already there, but maybe your prayers for others was a little bit of a rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub-type prayer, instead of a deeper prayer. And maybe now you're beginning to understand about owning the other person and their needs in your own man-to-man, woman-to-woman way. In not worried so much about am I praying right or wrong or I don't know how to do all of this but I'm thanking the Lord for helping me but I am going to engage more for the needs of others. When I hear their needs I'm going to pause and pray for them or with them. Now for the rest of you that are on the other side that are saying I want Jesus as my Savior. I want to be a part of this whole new dynamic and relationship. Just simply say to the Lord it's so simple. He did all the work for you so all He asks in return is that you Honestly admit that you're a sinner and you need a Savior and it's just by faith alone. And trust Him. Lord, I know I've done things wrong, but the best I know how, I'm coming to you. I'm believing now that you are the intercessor. That you're representing me to God the Father by what you've done for me on the cross. And I know now that I have eternal life, not because I've been good, but because you have been great and forgiving of my sin. Now, in the authority of God's word, he says, you're in his family forever. He that believes on me has everlasting life. All right, that's his word, not mine. So if you've done that now, I'd like to pray for you, not to get you into heaven, but just because I want to just pray for you as your, as your friend and pastor. And together, I'd like to bring you to the Lord, who is the great intercessor on your behalf. Is there anyone in here today that today was the day you crossed over the line? You trusted Christ as your Savior by faith alone, not by works and you'd like for me to pray for you just because today was your day when you entered into God's forever family because of his intercessory work for you. Would you slip up your hand? You won't have to come forward. I won't mention your name on my prayer, but I'd like to know. Would you put up your hand if today's the day you did that? Put it up real high. I need to see it. 
Okay, Christians, for you, how many of you got a deeper understanding of the dynamic of intercession and is now helping you perhaps have a greater appreciation for the work of Christ at the cross, but the work of Christ in the presence of your life today? And now with that, you want to use that to better pray for others. And you'd like to have prayer. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone? My hand is up. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you taught us through your word today. May this be a springboard into investigating more scripture, comparing scripture, going deeper in our hermeneutics and study of it and the laws of good Bible interpretation. Father, help us never to forget what you've done for us on the cross. Help us to appreciate at times when we go deeper like this because it helps us to really solidify our faith and to realize how comprehensive this is. It's not just a little Sunday school message. It's deep, but yet at the same time, by your spirit, easy to understand. Help us all now to, when we hear people going through struggles, that we would be more diligent in praying, in praying, in praying. And help us, Father, when people ask us to pray, that when we say, yeah, we'll pray for you, that we will pray for you. Thank you, Father, that you never sleep or slumber so that you're always praying for us. You're always groaning in our infirmities. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing that. And so, Lord, I just love these brothers and sisters here at this church. Continue to teach us your word so we can glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.